thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey there, gorgeous listeners. Thank you so much for joining us on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And make sure you have subscribed to us on iTunes or Spotify, whatever it is channel that you are using to listen to us. We would love it if you could give us an amazing review and five-star rating because that is really how we stay at the top of the iTunes podcast charts and everything else and how we spread this message of, you know, obviously raising the bar for women's health to women all over. Um, hey, Ash- big, hey, hey, hey. Oh, well, before we say each other, I just want to say a big warm welcome to our new listeners because we've had a couple of uh, sort of hellos and just found you. Can't believe we didn't know about you messages lately. And I think that's really um, pretty cool that even after all these years, we're still being found, which is really, really nice. I love that we can uh, inspire people at any age and stage and from all around the world, which is really cool. And I also want to just shout out to a couple of ladies who recently left uh, some five-star reviews on the the oh, podcast cute. so thank you very much beautiful reviews and really lovely words we appreciate it very much and uh oh, you know you who are you are you wrote it so thank you um yeah just really kind it was just, just something i was doing the other day and because we don't you and i don't check our reviews and stuff like we're just not no. we don't kind of take notice of that but i i happen to be doing something on podcast because i was looking at a new cover image actually everyone so Ooh, i'm excited looking, yeah i was just thinking oh i bet time we update our our podcast cover image and i was just having a little sorty through thinking <laughs> 
you know, what's standing out? What's not standing out? What do I like? What I don't like in terms of styling? And then I was like, oh, that's really nice reviews. Where did that come from? Oh, that's for us. Oh, that's so kind. So, yeah, no surprises. It was a, a, a default uh, to what I was actually doing and then I got sidetracked thinking, oh, that's really kind. So, thank you again. Um, that does wonders for my ego. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what it is? It's reassurance that uh, we're not completely losing the plot every time we record that sometimes we do it and we think, oh, my God, where's our head at? But we must be sharing some things that are worthwhile listening to. So that's that's more the reassurance. <laughs> I always laugh when, um, like you said, when someone discovers that discovers us or, or finds the podcast and then they go, oh, I have 200 and, you know, however many episodes to now get through. It's like, yeah, that'll keep you busy for a while. Oh, um, will. Well, this is actually going to be one that will upgrade it and stop you having to listen to a couple from uh, back in the past because I think we've always talked about the idea that um, the longer we're in this uh, podcasting world, obviously things become updated or outdated and yes. super important to keep pushing forward. So even if we recorded on a topic before, sometimes we'll record, you know, again on that same topic because it's really relevant that every – you know, year or couple of years even, there's information that changes and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're okay to be wrong if we recorded and that was the best info at the time and that has emerged that it's different now, then it's really fun for us to go, oh, cool, we used to think that because that's what the evidence showed us, but now there's some new research to show us this is actually what's happening. And tonight's podcast is kind of one of those episodes, isn't it? It's just a bit of a an update and upgrade on uh, some of the information regarding hormones that are blocking our ability to lose weight, which I think every single at some point in their life goes, oh, my God, I've put on some weight. How do I lose it? Um, and how relevant is that right now, Ash? Because mm. um, I know that you're on maternity leave, but you, you would have certainly noticed this before starting your mat leave, and that is that the stress of what's happened in the world over the last couple of years has certainly taken its toll on, you know, our hormonal system. And that is, um, you know, essentially presenting in practice for a lot of women as now weight gain. Um, inability to shift weight, hormonal, you know, dysregulation and dysfunction that is contributing to just that really, really stubborn, um, you know, fat storage as well that they're having trouble shifting. Um, And I think that so many people's diets changed during the pandemic, especially, you know, during lockdowns and I called them quarantine kilos. Everybody put on some quarantine kilos, um, you know, during the initial start of it. And I don't think it's got much better yet. Mm, I think as well, there's just other challenges coming up, isn't there? I mean, we've got rolling sort of changes over here in my stores regarding food uh, sort of transport issues, which is affecting what's on the ship market shelves. Like uh, I went to Woolworths today and there was definitely a distinct limitation in a lot of different things that I like to purchase. Um, mm-hmm. And I won't say, uh, yeah, again, you know, you smile. Like it depends on your headspace, right? Walking around, two people standing there just having a grand old winch to the store manager by the look of the person. Um, but they didn't, couldn't get this and didn't have that. And I was like, well, there's a lot of things that are not here. But I felt like saying, do you really realize that in the last 20 years supermarkets have like trebled in size and there is more on these shelves than there's ever been in history and you're worrying about you know your brand of butter or whatever it is it is there are so many options here but um yeah we do get fixated and stuck on our our habits whether they're healthy or not healthy at times so my frustration today with some of my healthy habits you know some of my key ingredients to my homemade um like granola bars and stuff uh, they weren't 
there. So I was like, ooh, because I'm not going to go down to the muesli bar section and replace them with, uh, you know, the sort of shop-bought muesli bars. So I was a bit like, oh, now I'm going to have to think about how to create other things, which was quite nice. But uh, I do understand why people default to um, possibly less healthy food choices, you know, Mm because it's just easier. Sometimes you duck into a shop and fresh produce is looking a bit mangy, so you go and grab some um, processed foods because it's a bit easier than thinking, oh, those apples look a bit ugh, so I'll just go grab a muesli bar, for example. Well, there's a very different calorie uh, intake there and obviously different sorts of sugars and all sorts of things like that. So, yeah, I do think we're, yeah. we're making different choices for sure um, and for those people who are scared of going to the shops as well, I mean, there's only so much you can buy online. It's uh, Depending on where you shop and who you shop with, you may not be able to get what you might normally get when you walk into the shops. So... And how fortunate are we, though, that we have our dinner twist deliveries? Um, So we know that there's, you know, we're getting beautiful grass-fed meats. We're getting um, a lot of organic produce and all sorts of amazing things. Um, We also get an organic box delivered from um, the Organic Collective over here, which is just essentially a collective of of local farmers. And the farmers markets don't seem to have a shortage of, you know, fresh produce. And um, I think it's if you're ever going to shop local, now is the time to do it because there's certainly no food trend transport supply issues um, from that perspective. So what a beautiful opportunity um, to support your local farmers, everybody. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk about the whys. Let's um, have a think about <laughs> Yeah, shift into what the topic is for tonight. Yeah, or well, today. It's nice to have a little reminder about um, why our food habits change. Like it's pretty obvious, isn't it, when major global crisis occurs that something changes and often it's our behaviours and habits that will shift as well. Um this Ash, is... did you do any did you do any hoarding any panic buying do you know what i didn't and i'll tell you why okay so this is just me so everyone might just think oh you're nuts actually but i have this really deep sense of gratitude for life and i've chosen not to because i really believe in the worst moments community can step up yeah And so I really believe in the idea that with how much connectivity we have through social media groups and stuff, if I was to put on our local Scarborough group um, that I was lacking in something, I just know that some random person on that page would step up and say, I've got this or I've got that, um, as I've done when there's been posts like that in the past, you know, and you think it's an opportunity to lean on community. Mm. as opposed to this idea that we are an island and we need to hoard all our own stuff because we've got to be self-sufficient and, you know, we've got to be in survival mode. And I think thinking that way, I hate to say it, but subconsciously you're probably always in a bit of fight or flight survival. You know, mm-hmm. you're thinking, what do I have? What do I don't have? There's that scarcity mentality. And that actually kicks really nicely into this episode because I'm going to put it out there and suggest that I think stress is the number one precursor to weight retention at this point in time. I think that the um, chronic stress that we're all under, whether we realise it or not, there is a pandemic, there is an endemic of, you know, fear going on in our community, Mm. in our family, in our relationships, in all sorts of things. And that's very pervasive to our underlying psychology. We suddenly think the world is a threat to us. And when we're in a state of threat, we're in a state of high cortisol, 
uh, which then we'll talk about the other things we, we've got. We've, should we just say the five things we're going to talk about so then ladies know, okay, cool, <laughs> we're going to run through each of those. We, we were talking about Andrew and I before the show, like what do we think the main drivers are right now? Um, this is a bit of our way of thinking. So, you know, it's backed by a lot of the research, but um, we've sort of streamlined it for this current point in time uh, because we do think there is certain factors right now that are playing a heavy role in uh, the issues that women are complaining to us, you know, mm. in practice about. Um, and that relates to this idea of cortisol, which is our key stress hormone, um, which, you know, in women has a knock-on effect through thyroid function. Um, and then, of course, there's the other hormones of ghrelin and leptin related to weight management, satiation mm. and uh, feelings of, you know, fullness or hunger. And, of course, then there's insulin as well. And so we're going to talk about these tonight and just explain to you a little bit about how they interact, why they interact the way they do, um, how stress response, you know, overrides some of those interactions Mm. and the roles that these have in things like inflammation uh, because inflammation obviously is playing a major role as an underlying uh, comorbidity that they're pretty much describing Mm. it um, for an increased risk of health effect if we are to get sick. So I think it's good to talk about this because it's not only just a how can we lose weight but also how can we be super healthy? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And okay, so Ash, let's just do a quick run through of these hormones that we're talking about. So first of all, there's cortisol, which is obviously our primary stress hormone. Ladies, remember, this is the one and only hormone that our body cannot live without. So um, everything your body is going to do is going to be to conserve and create cortisol production because this is our fight or flight hormone. This is what will save us, you know, when we're being um, chased by a saber-toothed tiger. Um, It's cortisol that kicks in to tell us what to do um, and to get us out of that situation. And it's so critical for our immune function and everything else. Um, So when we have elevated cortisol, so this is in those acute stress responses, um, it contributes to essentially it's designed to conserve energy for us. So it contributes to sugar cravings. It contributes to that central obesity or that um, weight gain around the midsection. It contributes to insulin resistance. Um, When we have elevated cortisol, we'll get hypoglycemia. We'll be shaking between meals. So it's that needing to eat more to satiate us because we need to conserve energy because the next threat is coming. Does that kind of make sense? 100%. And I think if we realise that we are designed to utilise cortisol as an on-off system, Mm. not an on-on system, which is where we were just discussing, you know, stress response, if we're under chronic stress, then cortisol is being utilised in an on-on fashion as opposed to this on-off switch that's supposed to happen when we're under acute, you know, threat. Um, So, you know, this idea that even, you know, the idea of just being stress that can be things like depressed that can be things like feeling anxious or angry or even being physically injured actually increases and elevates cortisol response Mm. as well so these are you know really important drivers as to why the body will secrete more cortisol and of course then our you know job is to how can we down regulate cortisol response um, so that's that's yeah. an important thing to think about. Um, I'm just reading a book at the moment by Jay Shetty. So if anyone's um, you know familiar with the online world of, I'd say thought leaders, he's one of those. Um, it's very current at the moment, and his beautiful book is um, How to Think Like a Monk. And I literally am only going. 
10 pages at a time because I just don't have time. But I feel like every single page I have read so far, and I know I'm up to page 32 because I stopped there today. Um, and I'm so I'm hardly into the thing, but it's just like gold, gold, gold. And, you know, I smiled because when we were talking about this topic today, um, it just it's reiterated through his book that we can't live like this. And he's yeah. talking about it from a sort of psychological, emotional, uh, well-being perspective in just the world of being peaceful and happy. Um, but, we, you know, we're obviously talking about in the physiological sense as well um, and why, you know, thinking like a monk is not an abstract concept for the Western person who's living in a busy life. Um, it's really yeah. has a lot to do with how we uh, adopt our thought processes. So, ladies, if you do nothing else tonight, definitely have a little scroll through uh, the internet, see if there's a cheap copy you can pick up somewhere or go and borrow it from the library because it is absolutely worth your time reading that book. Um, like I said, 30 pages in, and I already think I've paid my book with just what I've read already. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, wow, that's totally worth buying that book. Um, so I can't wait to go go further. But that is cortisol, and he discusses that. Yeah, awesome. And um, the most delightful thing has just happened while we've been recording. So, Loki has just brought one of his, and I'm being sarcastic when I say delightful, Loki has just brought one of his raw chicken wings from his food bowl and he is eating it on the rug behind me and obviously we're in the middle. Yeah, so that's, (laughs) I'm so sorry for the vegetarians or vegans who are listening in. My dogs are on a raw food diet um, and they eat raw meat and bones and that is actually what you can hear, which is really quite disturbing. So I'm really sorry about that, ladies. (laughs) But, you know, we're mid-podcast and um, somehow he's got into my office and um, I'm hoping that's going to stop soon and hopefully. Hopefully that doesn't raise anyone's cortisol. Okay, they've left the room now, thank goodness. Um, But let's talk about stress reduction because, ladies, if you go back through some of our earlier episodes on managing anxiety for women, on, you know, adrenal fatigue, on the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal dysfunction, anything on women and stress, we were giving you, you know, so many different strategies for calming your nervous system and, It has to be something that is going to work for you, that is going to be sustainable, that's realistic and also consistent. Um, My favorite little hacks throughout the day is just to move your body, um, to do 7-11 breathing, so that parasympathetic breathing, in for 7, out for 11. Um, Obviously, we're always harping on about meditation because it is so, so incredible just for calming your nervous system. Um, And even if you do a 10-minute guided meditation and you fall asleep to it at night, when you go to bed, it's it's only going to help. So those are some of some of the things. Um, Ash, is there a favorite um, couple of little hacks that you have for that cortisol lowering in terms of stress? Um, obviously, there's all the herbs in the world and supplementation and everything else that we can use too. Um, but Ash, you know, anything in particular? I reckon the quickest one for me personally, and this is yeah. you know, everyone's got to find their own tools, gratitude. What am I grateful for right now? I can't believe, you know, for me, I guess it's maybe a trained response or trained learned response over time that I've utilized for so many years now that it's just, it's instantaneous. But I can tell you that I can feel, you know, that sensation, you almost get like pringle, like little prickle tingles through your fingers. Like you just feel that flood of adrenaline. It's like you can feel, you know, you're breathing a little bit faster. You just know that you're, you need to take some breaths. Um, For me, as soon as I start to think of something I'm grateful for or think of, you know, why I'm so blessed. It's just like instantaneous. Wow. You're safe. You're okay. You know, you're, you're lucky. You're blessed. 
you're grateful. And that's 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 my number one thing that always works for me personally. So, yeah, uh, that's how I, awesome. I tackle it. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, now, often when we're stressed, we're eating more or mm-hmm. we're craving more things, which dramatically affects. And I think that these um, three hormones all work synergistically together. Um, and we're talking about leptin, ghrelin and insulin. And we've We've also done podcasts covering each of those individually and their very detailed, um, you know, mechanisms and everything else. So if you want to deep dive into those, please scroll back through the list and start on those and then come back. Um, But leptin, if we start with that, this is what we call is our satiation hormone. So this is the hormone that tells our brain we've had enough to eat. It's produced by our fat cells. So essentially, the more body fat or adipose tissue we have, the more we make. And it targets the hypothalamus in our brain and tells us, okay, we've got enough fat storage going on right now. We've had enough to eat. Uh, that's enough. Um, no, let's let's decrease ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone, because we're satiated. We don't need to eat anything else. Um, so when we're satisfied, leptin is balanced. Our brain is responsive to leptin, um, but Often, and we would think that, you know, if we're carrying a little bit more body tissue and obviously our adipose tissue is making leptin, we would think that we would have really high levels of it. So we'd be satiated all the time. But there's things that interfere with leptin receptors in the brain. And the two major things are sugar and sleep deprivation. So those two things really mess with how sensitive or how well our brain is able to receive those satiation signals from leptin. Um, And sugar is, you know, depending on the person can be, you know, the lollies, cakes, um, muffins, chocolates, that sort of thing. But also don't forget that it can be things like agave, um, high fructose corn syrups, um, fructose sources as well. It can be the stevias, even the natural sweeteners too can still have that same kind of sugar effect. Um, and also the sleep deprivation this is why when we've had a crappy night's sleep we literally cannot fill up we can stand in front of the fridge all day long and just keep eating and we don't feel satisfied that relates to those um, melatonin levels which are designed to naturally rise and fall and because of you know, at night when the melatonin levels naturally rise, what that does is helps your body to release hormones that are involved in the healing, the building of lean muscle mass, which of course has a fat burning function as well. So that's super mm-hmm. important. Um, and it improves bone density and all of these things contribute to the way our body perceives its environment internally um, in terms of stress response. So then if you're, you know, you're not going to affect as you're affecting that melatonin response, you're then going to have this inflammation induced weight gain as well. So so it's a very vicious cycle, isn't it? And it's not a simple thing to just say to someone, you know, drop your stress because there's knock-on effects. Okay, well, how are you sleeping? You know, what's your sleep environment like? You know, is yeah. that melatonin doing what it's supposed to do to allow that healing repair and bone, you know, bone and muscle um, growth? It's uh, super amazing biochemical pathway. And these, um, well, I guess they call them, um, you know, the, the knock-on effect as such. Um, 
My brain just stopped there. I was going to say something <laughs> slightly more intelligent than that. Um. Um, but as you can see right there, the connection between the stress hormones and leptin, because when cortisol is high at night, it actually mm. inhibits melatonin production. Correct. So if we don't manage the stress, we don't make melatonin, we don't sleep well, which means leptin becomes insensitive. We get that leptin resistance. So this is how all of it is such an intimate interplay within our body. And it's that, you know, as as we always refer to hormones, it's that symphony orchestra of balance. Um, and some of the ways to target and balance leptin and help our brain to receive its messages better is obviously working on the sleep. Um, yeah, and that might mean obviously working on the stress so that our melatonin kicks in properly. Um, also making sure our diet is appropriate, um, obviously getting off sugar and everything else, exercising, um, supplementation like zinc, selenium, um, alpha lipoic acid, and I like to use berberine as well when there is um, that leptin resistance. I know um, in endocrinology they would often prescribe metformin in that instance. Um, my preference is obviously is berberine. Um, but uh, a few symptoms, ladies, as well, if you want to look out for, if you're wondering whether or not high leptin levels are contributing to your weight gain, it would be this constant weight gain. You'll feel like, and that is Loki chewing again, and I don't want to stop recording to like put him out, but I will in a second if it keeps going. <laughs> um, uh, ladies, if you feel like your weight is just constantly going up, like you can just look at a slice of cake and you feel like you gain two kilos and you're constantly craving food, even after a well, like a good satiating, well-balanced meal, you're tired all the time, you've got low energy, um, you've got that cold body temperature, you've got that low resting heart rate. Maybe there's some hypothyroidism going on as well. So all of those are symptoms of possible elevated leptin and it's um, leptin resistance too, which kind of mimics so many thyroid symptoms as well. And I think that that's, that's not a coincidence. No, and you know, I, I always think. Sorry, I, I think there's a glitch in my matrix tonight. I, I, I think I need an adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> but whenever my brain does not connect with my mouth, I'm like, okay, hold on. When was the last time I was adjusted? <laughs> no, it's my first thought. Not like oh, I'm, I'm tired because I was, you know, up a few times last night, and uh, it's getting towards that bedtime time again for me. But um, I, I, this might sound so disjointed right now, but I'll just brain was thinking along the evolutionary pathways, you know, of, of why our body develops these things. Yes. And, you know, it's just such an interesting thing that um, we have emerged so far from our foundational uh, evolutionary biology in terms of what our lifestyle and environment is doing for us right now. Um, the fact that we're more static, you know, we're sitting down more, we're doing less of what we're innately designed to do. Um, you know, we're, we're skipping on our rest, we're moving not enough, we're sleeping not in accordance with moon phase cycles, we're just, you know, we're staying up at night on TV and you know phone devices and things like that. So yeah. we've really we're really pushing our body beyond its evolutionary adaptive, uh, I guess, sustainability. Because at the end of the day, something that we do in our life needs to be sustainable. And what we all seem to be doing right now is sort of a, a crash course for burnout. Um, but yeah. it's uh, it's interesting because for me, I I always think you know what would my my predecessors, what my ancestors do, or what their body need in these situations and you realize we can't compare because it's even something as simple as going you know eat more real food but modern industrial foods 
are literally designed to be overeaten. As you referred to earlier, you were talking about, you know, um, artificial sweeteners and things like this. This is designed to trick the brain to make us eat more of these things, um, to get us hooked on sweet foods, to, you know, trick our biology into believing this stuff is good for us and completely resetting our metabolic set points because we no longer sustain the evolutionary set points that we are given. Um, And I hate to say there is a genetic involvement here. So, you know, when people say, I, you know, have always been overweight, I can't lose weight. There are some underlying reasons for that. It's not just psychology. It's not that you're lacking the willpower or that you're lazy or that you, you, you just choose bad foods all the time. Because I know some people who have impeccable diets that still cannot yeah. lose weight. And it's not just about the food intake or the uh, calorie outputs. It's a lot to do with, you know, this evolution of our biology, which is why why our cells, why our bodies respond in the way they are to the vi- environment we're currently in. Because how often do you see it? You know, you take someone who's a Western lifestyle and go and dump them into another country um, with a more primitive lifestyle and they go back to what would be their baseline biological set point of weight. So, and I find that fascinating, right? It's, oh, God, I was, you know, overweight for 20 years. I went and lived in Bali for six months and I lost 15 kilos. It's like not because they were being some hippie on a mountaintop eating, you know, wheatgrass or something. Um, They were just simply living in more accordance with their natural biology. Um, So, there's a lot to be said for that too. Um, And, Ash, it's interesting what you said about set point because it just makes me think of um, patients who, for example, have had um, a a gastric sleeve, so, Mm. um, you know, dramatic weight loss surgery. and um, they Yeah, and they initially will lose, you know, a a huge amount of weight. Mm. But because it's not changing that proper set point and there's not – you know, all of the factors that go into weight stabilization and actually really modifying that set point with everything that's required for that, eventually it just comes straight back on and often higher than what that baseline was um, initially. Which is a massive frustration because statistically, yeah. you know, I was having a read of that earlier about um, the idea of um, dramatic weight gain, how many people actually retain that. And the research mm. suggests that only 10% of people will retain the dramatic weight gain because their biology says, I want to go back to where I was. Yeah. And so yeah, then exactly. that There's drives a reason choices. For that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and even with significant lifestyle changes, meaning that there's good work on the psychology, you know, the food psychology of eating and things like that, mm. um, there is still this quite creep back to. And so usually within a process of about 12 months, that person has gone back towards their original weight prior to the dramatic weight loss. And like you said, in some cases um, surpasses that and there's a potential for around a 10% increase. And I thought that was like, oh, great. So not only do we muck around with this and put all that hard work in to lose a lot, but it actually tells our body we're in stress and it wants to store more. Yeah, <laughs> so I know. And how important. devastating is that for those um, you know, men and women who've undergone something like that. And it's because of Absolutely. these reasons, Ash, it's because, you know, they haven't got a control of leptin and they haven't then changed and the flow and hormone for that is is ghrelin. And that's, you know, essentially the opposite of, of leptin. Um, and that's the hunger hormone that's saying it is time to eat. It's 
you know, ghrelin increases our appetite. Um, it also changes our sleep-wake cycles. It is part of our reward-seeking behavior. It contributes to our taste sensations because when it's time to eat, it's telling us also, okay, what do we want to eat and can also influence carbohydrate metabolism as well. Um, we know that people who are, tend to be obese also have differences in their actual ghrelin receptors. So they'll be making a lot of it, meaning it's time to eat we're hungry, but also just the way it responds is a little bit different. Um, and so if our brain is not sensitive to leptin, um, if we've got that leptin resistance and then we don't have that stop goal, that that break um, gas pedal <laughs> balance between that leptin and ghrelin saying, okay, it's time to eat, time to stop. Um, and normally when someone goes on a low calorie diet, initially there's that spike of ghrelin, which is why they're so hard to maintain initially as well. Uh, but things like having adequate protein, um, exercise, keeping a stable weight, which I know sounds like a little bit of paradox when we're talking about trying to lose weight. All of those things help to regulate ghrelin. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, while we're talking about things like ghrelin, there's an influence as well of the gut microbiota. Mm. Um, you know, and so when we talk about people doing all the right things, there's also a strong correlation with gut bacteria. Um, yeah. So when people are trying to lose weight, in order to have uh, correctly balanced hormones, particularly within the gut, stomach, um, and digestional, digestive intestinal tract, um, we do need to, you know, consider the influences of poor gut microbiota that contribute yeah. to poor hormone function or poor hormone levels. So um, this is where, you know, we, you know, our, Andrew, you and I do the same thing here. We always talk about, you know, what's gut function like? You, know, you talk about things like yes. poo, gut, bowel movements, what do they look like, what do they smell like? And we're like, oh, geez, why, why do you need to know that? Aren't you just a car? <laughs> like, Everything is person. relevant. Yeah, yeah, but it is. And then you start to get a, a sense of, you know, looking at the, this is this whole idea of integrative medicine is this idea of looking at the whole body as um, a contiguous system and that you have one thing affects another thing affects another thing. So, you know, if someone has eczema or psoriasis or anything like that and they're worried about weight gain, weight loss and all those things, I'm also straight away flagging, okay, there's a major gut issue right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so healing the gut is well is shown to have a really big influence on things like ghrelin because there's the uh, effect of the hormones through the gut. And that for me, you know, is often overlooked, I find, in weight loss journeys. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um Oh, that's so, so relevant, Ash. And I think that if we then look at, and I, this might be the final hormone that we talk about tonight, um, and that is insulin. And um, we've sort of probably left the, the best to last maybe. Um, so insulin is a peptide hormone that's made by the beta cells of our pancreas. And its job is to help facilitate glucose uptake into the cells from the food we eat to be used as energy. So when we eat carbohydrates, it gets broken down into glucose. Um, insulin essentially binds with those little glucose molecules, puts them into cell, and we use that as energy. Um, insulin, is, part of its job is to dictate what your body does with the food 
So it's essentially what what do we do with these calories? And that's why there's always a hormonal aspect to how your body burns calories. So it, it yes, there's certainly a energy in versus energy output that's always part of our um, you know your your overall body composition, but there's always this hormonal component to it. So, you know, the calories or the energy, if you're not using it right away, it gets stored in the liver and then the muscles, um, once they get, you know, full of um, essentially insulin or those, um, those little energy packets, then it goes and gets stored as fat. And that is a normal, very healthy functioning system because, you know, we want it there for later. Um, in times of famine or because, you know, our body's gone, oh, okay, we've eaten a lot of this, we could use that later. But when it's just a never-ending cycle, <laughs> that's when we become insulin resistant. So we're starving out for energy. We're going to be craving those quick energy fix foods like the really high sugary, highly processed, you know, carbohydrate things because that's what our cells are starving for. But we can't actually utilize that because our cells are insensitive to it. And that leads to weight gain and the pathway towards type 2 diabetes. Yeah, and massive inflammation. So if you go back and listen to our um, insulin inflammation um, episode, that will make so much sense. Mm. Um, Okay, so ladies, we've given you some little hacks after each of those hormones that contribute to weight gain. Obviously for insulin, it's... um, a diet that is really conducive for hormonal balance that is um, very low sugar, good quality protein, good quality fats, and really high fiber. So um, I'm suggesting that from your vegetable intake that helps to regulate insulin. Um, also weight-bearing exercise, so we're making those little you know, extra GLUT4 receptors to allow insulin into the cell um, in a different way or a more effective way as well. Um, and then, again, there's all sorts of herbs and nutrients that we use along the way, but just for the purpose of tonight, I think, or this episode, I should say. We're recording at like 9 o'clock at night, guys, but you're probably listening to it on your way to work. <laughs> um, that Those are some things. Those are some starting points. And if you have obviously been struggling with your weight, what you need is someone who can look at all of this for you and help you to map out what is the best way to implement these changes in a way that's going to be sustainable and, again, consistent for you and prioritize it. Mm-hmm. Love it. And that's, uh, you know, I think that sums it up really nicely that if you're struggling, it really is overview. You know, we've just mentioned yeah. a bunch of different systems, but if you can't sort of see through the forest, you need someone out there to look down and say, okay, this is what's actually happening and, you know, don't be afraid to reach out for help because I'm really um, – yeah, I'm really not a fan of, you know, quick weight loss programs or um, anything that's got you jumping on the scales every week. I think there's healthier ways to approach weight uh, weight management in terms of the psychology of uh, eating and the mm. stress response because there's nothing more stressful than, you know, putting all the hard work in, jumping on the scales and seeing the same number, or, you know, or slightly less or slightly more. Like it's, it's very demoralizing and that, uh, you know, significantly affects the, you know, the whole weight loss, weight gain process but i yeah i always default back to the basics you know 10 p.m club like we've talked about so many times you know get good rest get good sleep um start to you know reassess our 
a relationship with food. Why am I eating? Do I feel hungry? Am I actually thirsty? You know, should I drink more water today? Um, what's my body trying to tell me right now? Do I really need that? Or is that just a, you know, stress response? Am I just craving sugar right now because I'm not dealing with something else? Um, do I need to move more? You know, should that be the first choice, not grabbing that uh, chocolate bar at three o'clock? Maybe I just need to go for a 15 minute walk and it'll break the cycle. Um, and, you know, considering gut flora, you know, gut quality, do I need a good probiotic? You know, do I need some probiotics with my food? Like I just, yeah, for me, it's like down the rabbit hole of all of these things. And you can just see how wonderfully um, we can assess the body in a way that says this opportunity, there's always opportunity to do better. So if it's something you've been struggling with for a long time, it's never too late. We did talk about this idea of metabolic set point, but we've also described that when you take a sick person out of a sick environment and put them into a healthier environment, mm-hmm. it's amazing how that person can actually um, change. And I think that's yeah. you know, the sum of today, isn't it? If we're all sitting in sick environments in the sense that we're overloaded with stress, we're overwhelmed with um, life, we're you know not doing jobs we love, we're no longer walking to the office, we're stuck at home offices and all that sort of stuff, then our environment has changed. It's no longer a healthy environment and it's quite often a sick, supportive environment. Yeah, definitely. And there's some hormones that we deliberately haven't mentioned tonight that also contribute to weight gain. And these are things like, you know, um, dysregulated estrogen, testosterone, thyroid function, um, adiponectin, dopamine. Uh, So there's other things, but we purposefully are going to cover some of those things in more detail in future episodes. Um, So, you know, hold on to your hats for that. Um, But Ladies, though, that is a pretty good um, picture or summary of the major hormones initially that contribute to essentially weight gain and why it makes it really tricky to shift it. Yeah, Um, and if you're ticking those boxes already, then awesome. Tune in for the next one. We'll go deeper into some of the other hormones that might be your concern. But if you're not ticking all those boxes we discussed, then you've got some work to do. And so you can go away today and start to get some things, you know, shaping up in your life that will absolutely promote um, positive weight. Awesome. Ladies, you have been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. We are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.